Imagine a workstation where your devices seem to disappear, keeping you in a state of flow for hours. Imagine a superior typing experience and a mouse crafted for comfort. Now, add smart illumination, programmable hotkeys, smart software, and connection to up to three devices. Discover MX Master Series, crafted for performance, designed for coders. Find out more on Logitech.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am your hostess with the mostest, Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. Join, as I often am, by our illustrious newsletter publisher and blog impresario, Ryan Donovan. That's right. All up in your inboxes. All up in your inbox. So, Ryan, you brought a story today that is about startups and labor. And we know a lot of developers and engineers want to be entrepreneurs or work at a startup. I have a story in a similar vein. So why don't you kick it off and then I'll, I'll sure. segue. So uh, I saw a post from Gurgly Aroche, who has written for the blog before. Yes, we like Gurgly. Talking about a change in a specific tax code that has led to a lot of layoffs and is putting a lot of burden on startups and software companies because, you know, no longer are software developers, as I understand this, their costs are being amortized over five years because they are considered research and engineering. Mm. So what that's doing is that suddenly this sort of capitalized expense is no longer deductible. It used to be that you could deduct the work that software developers and engineers, research scientists, your machine learning specialists were doing in R&D. Mm -hmm. But now you're going to have to, it sounds like, pay taxes on that. It will be spread out over a number of years, five years in the US, 15 years if they're abroad. Mm -hmm. But still, if you have a huge R&D department, and that used to be something you could write off in taxes, now that will change significantly. Mm -hmm. So what it looks like is that you no longer include your research and engineering as an operating expense. So the mm -hmm. example he gives, if a company has uh, 1.2 million in revenue, and a million dollars of that is uh, developer salaries, right? Yeah. Before profit of the company was 200K and they'd pay taxes on that 200K. Now, profit of the company is 1 million. Mm. Basically, they get to deduct, you know, 20% of the 200K because it's amortized right. over. So you're considered having made a lot more profit. So a lot of mm. companies are getting these huge tax bills that are more than their operating profit. Yeah. So unless you have some VC padding, a lot of bootstrap companies are getting left in the lurch on it. Yeah. Salaries have always been tax deductible. With this law, software engineer salaries are only tax deductible over five years. So if you don't have cash reserves, you need to borrow or you need to lay off. Well, you and I clearly are not quite savvy enough about finance to get this, but I think yeah. we can understand the import, which is there was a change to the tax law. That makes it a lot more expensive for companies to have engineers. Seems like specifically in the R&D division, and there are some discrepancies between the U.S. and people who hire elsewhere, which will probably also have yeah. an impact on where folks and, choose to hire. Yeah, and as he says, you know, 
I don't think a lot of people are talking about this, but it's a complicated issue. And, you know, the the sort of tax code issues are really sort of baffling. And even if you look at the thread, people are arguing about whether this is actually optional or it changes things. But right. it appears that it's actually led to people losing jobs. Mm. Do we know why they made this change in the tax code? The only hint in there is that somebody says that the uh, the beneficiary of this is the IRS. Because <laughs> they're collecting more taxes. Yeah. So they're closing a loophole. Well, by treating salary as uh, a capital amortizable expense. Yeah. I, I think something's a little off here, but... Uh, mm-hmm. I hope so. Because <laughs> like, there's no way you're paying tax on salary. I think maybe it used to be you could deduct from mm-hmm. your, the taxes you would owe the salaries you paid to R&D engineers. And now you mm-hmm. cannot do that. that that's my well, interpretation they, of the situation. It sounds like they are treating the salaries of research and engineering as capital expenses, right? If you buy right. you know, a truck or a mainframe or something, some large capital expense, that's an asset right. for the company, right? You amortize that cost over several years. I see, I see. Right, right. exactly. So now instead of being something where you can write it off, it's now something that, but to treat a person as a capital asset seems odd. I mean, they're they're developing software that I guess you could treat as a capital asset. Yeah. All right. Tough for me to understand, but we'll stay on this story for you developers out there. If somebody wants to drop a comment and help us understand this, that'd be helpful. Yeah. In a similar vein to, you know, talking about labor and software development, a big story in the New York Times published December 12th, Microsoft has announced it will stay neutral as roughly 100,000 workers are in discussions with the AFL-CIO to potentially form a union. Mm -hmm. These are video game workers, and they want to collaborate to resolve issues that arise from the adoption of AI in the workspace. Mm -hmm. Microsoft says they want to seek input to address their concerns about the risk of job elimination. Super interesting. You know, we can't shy away from the issue that as AI gets better and better at knowledge work, people worry that they will be replaced. And these game developers are following in the footsteps of the Actors Guild and the Writers Mm -hmm. Guild, which just did a massive strike. And a lot of what they were trying to bargain for was you know, their right not to be replicated by an AI or, you know, to have their persona easily just sort of digitized and then um, owned by a corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely pro-union. My my dad's family is a uh, longshoreman on uh, the Boston docks. So, you know, I have family that's that's seen the benefits of that. And right. it does seem like a lot of folks are are worried about, you know, companies having a tool. Yeah that does essentially human work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's see here. This says it links to a study that specifically calls out an emerging concern is artificial intelligence displacing workers. Voters believe unions can help. Seven in 10 report being concerned about AI displacing them with Mm -hmm. 34% being very concerned. Let's see who they studied here. 12,000 registered voters, you know, dialing around And this was conducted in August of 2023. Mm -hmm. So that's the sample. I mean, there's there's a lot of anxiety about AI out there. You know, 
with a lot of the AI folks doing a lot of hype, you know, a lot of hype of like, yeah. this is, you know, artificial general intelligence and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> We're going to, yeah. you know, see how it shakes out. People are already talking about the Gemini demos being not reproducible or actually doing mm -hmm. fantastic things with it. So right. we'll see. You're seeing both as people get their hands on it. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. people are getting Gemini Pro and starting to put together. Um, I think the um, they released API pricing and it's free nice. for under 60 requests a minute. Mm. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. If you're a hobbyist, you can, you can do that. In a similar vein, it seems as though some of the chatbot companies mm. are trying to get ahead of concerns about copyright and other ethical issues. So for example, it used to be that if you asked Dolly to make you a picture in the style of an artist, it would. And now it specifically replies, I can't make you a picture in the style of this artist because of copyright. If you, mm. you know, give me some stylistic direction, I will do my best. Super interesting. Mm. And then the other day, I was helping a friend with a business plan. Mm -hmm. And I gave the AI the business plan. And I said, you know, how would you structure this as, you know, a business plan? And it, you know, wrote it out, structured in these five parts. And, you know, mm -hmm. and I said, great. Can you write that business plan now? And said, no, that's against my terms of service. And I thought, what? <laughs> like, why? But I think they're trying to get ahead of the, you know, AI wrote this whole thing for me and then I did something and then it was illegal. Right. And also I would anticipate this applying to be like, please write an essay on XYZ. It's going to mm -hmm. start saying, no, like that's not one of the services I provide. And that, you know, sort of gets ahead of what's been a very contentious issue inside of schools. Yeah, I definitely see the uh, the business plan. You know, AI will likely be responsible for a new new wave of, of uh, what they call shovelware. <laughs> Chief software shoveled out into the market. But right. the legal ramifications of that for having, you know, shovelware included in legal documents like company right. charters and such, that may be something they want to get free of the legal liability for. What is the inherent harm in shovelware? Like, what does it fill up? What, are there landfills full of shovelware? What does it pollute? Like, it's just distracting? It takes away attention from better games? It pollutes the market, basically. Okay. It's just like, you know, you fill the playing field with crap, so mm -hmm. to coin a phrase. And... um that prevents other people from being found and making a mark. Gotcha. What defines shovelware? It's not, oh, I was an indie developer. I was a single person. It's, I'm like a content farm. Like I'm, yeah. I have some automated process to basically shovel this stuff out. Yeah, it's usually a cheap knockoff of another game. Mm. You know, all the bejeweled clones, which I guess are <laughs> right. now Candy Crush clones. Right. Yeah, I would like to read about the shovelware industry. This seems interesting. All right. Let's see what we can do. How are these cheap shovelware games even financially sustainable? Yeah. Over 150 million active users on Steam. Those games are selling. Oof. My God. 150 million is a lot of games. I mean, there was a instance recently, the game called The Day Before shut down four days after launch. There were mm. accusations that it was a scam or because it came out early access for 40 bucks. And then right. disappeared. So not saying it's shovelware, just 
allegedly <laughs> shovelware, we should say. Right. There is controversy. We're going to show our age here because it's fun. <laughs> Computer Gaming World wrote in 1990, for those who do not wish to wait for software that used the new CD-ROM format, there were game packs of classic titles. Software repackaged on CD-ROMs was referred to as shovelware, like shareware mm. and freeware. The capacity of CD-ROM was, you know, 600 times that of a floppy disk. And so they started bundling or pre-installing all of these garbage demos on there. Right. And I guess people would pay for the garbage demo and then they might upsell you. So that's where it comes from. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, you get uh, a CD full of everything they can fit in there. <laughs> Increased value, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, use the free space. It's basically like, you know, like a little pop-up ad, right? It's like, oh, and, and also there's this game on here, you know? Right. If you've got some free space on the disc, why not? The sort of early days, and I'm going to really show my age here, uh, when my cousins would get discs full of Commodore 64 games, you know? Right. You would just get a bunch of stuff. And, and there was stuff on there that was good. Sort of inherent to the medium, though, a lot of it was really janky, you know, individual yeah. projects. Yeah. There are some great questions on Stack Overflow. Super user, why does my shovelware keep reinstalling? I'm on Windows <laughs> Pro 10, and I have deleted this <laughs> Candy Crush saga three times. Oh. It keeps coming back. Zombie shovelware. <laughs> the zombie shovelware will never die. <laughs> if you want to get rid of your zombie shovelware, there's an answer on, on Super User for you. And then a good one from the Game Development Exchange. Is my game shovelware? For example, if mm. I just use Google Image Searches. No, your game is considered just simply a bad game. <laughs> <laughs> the important part of shovelware is the definition that hopes of being purchased by an unsuspecting customer. Mm. Yeah. Harsh answer. I mean, back in the blockbuster days, that was, I think the, the asylum had their movie making business plan was to create things that you would accidentally rent. You know, you were looking for the right. Transformers and you would rent the Transmorphers. Right, exactly. Close enough. Close enough. Similar art on the cover. Takes about 20 minutes into the movie, and then you're like, what the? Yeah. But they've, they've found their own voice now with uh, Sharknado and other uh, <laughs> hybrid monsters and national disasters. Yeah. Important fact, I hired Ryan in part because he told me that he liked really weird movies. That, was, <laughs> that really stuck out on the CD. All right, y'all. Let us take it to the outro. Awarded two days ago to that other guy, a lifeboat badge for providing a great answer to the question, what is the difference between kill and kill nine? Or maybe this is kill negative nine. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, it's kill dash nine. This question was asked six years ago. It's been viewed 12,000 times and it's about terminating a process. I think I've seen that movie. Kill aka kill term, aka kill 15, is a safe and correct way of terminating a process. It's equivalent to safely shutting down a computer. Kill 9 is the unsafe way of brutally murdering a process. It is equivalent <laughs> to pulling the power cord and may cause data corruption. See the Linux and Unix stack exchange for more information. Don't brutally murder your process, guys. Yeah. Put it to sleep the right colorful. way. <laughs> Very colorful. I appreciate that. Very colorful answer here. We appreciate it. That other guy. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. As always, I am Ben Popper. Find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with questions or suggestions for the podcast. Podcast at Stack Overflow. Pretty straightforward email. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a rating and a review because it helps us grow spiritually and emotionally. <laughs> 
I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find it at stackoverflow.blog. And you can reach out to me on X at rthordonovan. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>